Hello, Ash. Um, happy Sunday, middle of December. It's very nearly Christmas. I do not know where the year went. How are you doing? <laughs> are you surviving? I'm- yeah, no, I'm doing really well. Thank you, Carrie. Uh, and it's been a super busy December in a way that I'm not sure I've experienced before. So I don't feel like I've been in New York very much this month. Uh, and uh, the trend will continue because we'll end up spending Christmas with family in Texas uh, for a week. So I've got a little more travel ahead of me. Um but yeah, it's it's been a, a good holiday season if if even though it's been pretty busy. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just here we are at the end of the year. This is maybe the first full year of us doing this podcast. Is that right? It is. I went I went through and I looked, and it turns out uh this will be the fourteenth recorded episode of this year. So I think we did pretty good. <laughs> Especially yeah, given right. our busy schedules and um, how long it takes me sometimes to go back and um, actually do the editing, even though it's not hard to do. Um, it's, yeah, 14 in, a, in the course of a year. That's more than once a month. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll take it. I mean, it's it's funny because I, I, I do remember having that uh, moment of realization that between the first episode and the second, I think there was a two year. <laughs> there was a two year gap. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then uh, I, I realized that as like while we were recording, because I think I had mentioned it maybe in that episode, that second or third episode. Uh, wow, sure. That that year went by really quick. And then I live was looking at the dates and I was like, that was two years ago. Uh, so, it, you know, things kind of look at post pandemic. A lot of things were pretty tricky. Uh, and yes, certainly they were. keeping up with something new like this was <laughs> was surprisingly not easy to do. <laughs> In in lots of things were surprisingly hard to keep up with during the pandemic. It's kind of weird how how that worked, but um, yeah, I can't believe it's already the end of the year. We did fourteen episodes, and I, I the topic of of this year of this episode is I think in keeping with the with the conversation of you know looking back over twenty twenty three. But I, as I was doing this, is like, oh, what what actually happened in twenty twenty three? And I had to rely on. Um, recorded like order history and and other things to, to jog my mind as to what's happened because like 2023 the start of 2023 seems like so long ago it's like it both flew, went by in a flash and felt like a very long year for some reason yeah uh, i think for me i spent a little less time thinking about this uh and so <laughs> I'm probably going to forget something that's like monumentally important as I, as I list stuff. Uh, but I think just on, you know, both personal front and professional, it's been one of those years where there were just different chunks of the year that were almost like different lives. And I mean that in a positive way, like, there, one of the things that during the pandemic, I think maybe a lot of us noticed was how sometimes it'd feel like time was passing faster. And do you know how, like, stop me if I've mentioned this idea before, but people will sometimes say that as they get older, it feels like time is moving faster and faster. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say I, I don't really feel like I had ever experienced that in, until the pandemic. And at least yeah. based on my own subjective experience, what I feel like I, I understood from that was that 
it, it's not so much a function of age when it comes to the the concept or the feeling of passing time passing by. It's more about how much uh, sort of new newness are you encountering? Mm-hmm. And uh, this year was one of those years where I, I'd say it didn't necessarily feel like it went by super fast unless I just think about certain things in isolation because there was so much newness and mm. uh, I can't think of a better you know way to spend a year than to be able to really kind of think back and feel like oh yeah this time I was doing this little could I have known three months later there would be this thing that we're we're doing whatever <laughs> that might be yeah oh no I, I I love that it's like it is I, I think that's true I mean it, if, if um, like even just like the first few few days of like the pandemic, so much was going on, like those felt like that took forever. And then um, but then if you didn't do a like a lot of the same old, same old, then those kind of just disappeared in a, in a heartbeat. But um, I guess it's a good thing if you can look back on the year and say um, I was so busy with the new that it feels like it's a feel feels like a substantial chunk of time, which um is, is always good. I think in my opinion, it's like, you've got, you've got something to look back onto and it's just didn't feel like it disappeared like a minute ago. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe if we have people who are further along in life than, than you and I can come and uh, tell me how I'm wrong on this, but I think that there's something about like novel stimulation mm-hmm. uh, that that's important and, you know, not thoughtless sort of stimulation, but like really pushing your own personal boundaries, whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. that means. And, uh, there was, there was definitely time during the pandemic where I kind of went numb, Mm -hmm. uh, just sort of being in the same space all of the time. I learned that my memory, I don't know if this is unique. I doubt it is, but like my memory seems to be like pretty dependent on location. And when all of your memories happen in a single place, it makes it very, very, very hard to remember what happened when, um, and then on top of that, if you're kind of just going through the same motions every day because you can't go anywhere, that just compounds yeah. it. So that yeah. to me was what made it feel like it, you know, those years flew by as opposed to this year, which feels like it was, you know, five years kind of wrapped in one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that is a good analogy. Yes. Um, I, I, I felt very much similar this year is, um, it felt very much like five years, of of try of stuffing five years of work and learnings and and all of that into a single year um but yeah so um that kind of is the theme of today's episode is 2023 in review and kind of uh we we called out some categories here um some work personal and then of course because of we're we like tech we have to talk a little bit about tech um hardware software um and then we kind of have a a section at the end about uh, uh, stuff we've either played or read um, and kind of just our top two or three highlights out of those um, as we go along. I thought that would be a, a fun little way to end, end the year uh, and uh, our last episode of the year too. Cool. Um, so do you think we just go down the list then? Would you like to talk? Uh, do we talk work first? Sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's go down the list. Um I, it's it's weird because it, it, um, listener, you can't tell what 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 we're looking at. But I I put together a list of some of my thoughts. Um, 
personal hardware, software, those are the ones where I, where all of my thought and time went to. But um, on the flip side, you have, I mean, work is paying the bills. That's where the, you're spending the majority of your time. And um, we accomplished a crazy amount of stuff this year. And but it boils down to two bullets, <laughs> which is a little <laughs> scary. Um, so uh, this year, um, celebrating uh, over six years at Adobe, which I can't believe it's been six years. Part of that is the pandemic time frame is like those years just kind of just disappeared in weird ways. Um, and it's like, on the other hand, sometimes it's like, it's got to be more than six years, but it's, it's, it's six, it was six years in August. Um, so I'm happy about that. And then, um, but the biggest thing this year, and you've heard me talk about it on this um, podcast, um, when we talked about uh, Adobe Express, um, but we released extensibility or add-ons plugins for Adobe Express this year. And that's where it feels like it's been five years. Because um, if I look back and I remember our journey when we released extensibility for Adobe XD, um, we accomplished a lot there, but it took several years to get there. I still remember the first release where it was literally all you could do was like you had no UI for for the betas and you had to use like the layer names and other things to try to fake your way through the UI and do something useful. Um, and then to the end where you had panels and dialogues and all these APIs. And we did that in less than a, a, less than a year, actually, for, for Adobe Express and hit 50 add-ons in the marketplace uh, just last week. So crazy amount of, of work and partnership with the developer community and internal teams. But um, I, it just, it does, if I wonder like how, and where, where did the time go and why does it feel like five years? It's because we crammed five years of work into like one year. <laughs> that's, that's tremendous progress. And uh, you know, I, I, I had the opportunity to meet up with one of our former colleagues uh, earlier today, actually, and, and uh, have some lunch. We had, we had noodles. Uh, fantastic. Uh, to, to catch up with him after a few years. And uh, yeah, we were kind of talking about some of the stuff that you mentioned with XD and like how that was such a big part of our lives for a long time mm -hmm. uh, and extensibility inside of that one particular application. But to see the progress that you and all the folks have, at Adobe have made kind of carrying that forward into more applications and then ultimately up into Adobe Express. And uh, it's just really cool to see. Um, and, you know, there are parts of that that we, we've mentioned before that I, uh, having promoted myself to customer, uh, have, have seen in the wild <laughs> a few times uh, because I still, you know, I was a customer before I worked there and I remain one uh, and have done some stuff with Adobe Express. Uh, so the application itself, I've, I've found beneficial for things that I do in my private life, uh, but also, and I'll probably mention a little more about why I was in Wix uh, recently, but it was kind of neat because I was in Wix and I had uploaded a photo and then they're off to the side of the photo and I realized I needed to make <laughs> yes. an edit actually. And then there's a button that says open in Adobe Express or something. I don't remember the specifics, but like there was a button in there and I was like, I bet somebody I know had something to do with the making of this button. And it was just really <laughs> cool to see. Yeah, it's it's super cool um, how the the whole team like um, we we've we've actually got it split. So I didn't have a whole lot to do with that button, but um, a few of my counterparts at, on the other side of we call it extend versus embed. 
um, which kind of makes sense because one, you're doing it inside the app, one and extending the app. The other one is you're embedding Express into another surface. Um, and I, I know they would be super happy to hear that uh, you, you saw that, noticed it, and, 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 and was able to use it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really cool. Um, and, you know, kind of see, seeing that proliferate in a bunch of different ways. But either way, it seems like the, the, y'all just made tremendous progress. So that's something really exciting um, and something to be proud of. So mm-hmm. uh, on my front, for the work side of things, it's, you know, I hit uh, two, two whole years at Nihilus uh, and it's been an awesome ride. Um, this year, kind of behind the scenes in a lot of ways, the company has been working on a, a, a revamp of the platform. And, you know, as uh, director of developer relations, I have the privilege of leading our developer advocacy team and our developer documentation mm-hmm. uh, team, which means there's a lot of stuff going on for, for both of those teams. Um, you'll know, Carrie, as well as anyone that when you, you know, think about it from an engineering perspective for a moment. If you have V1 of something, but you're making V2, you can't ignore V1 <laughs> while you're making Bad V2. things happen if you do. Right. And so, you know, that's of course true for engineering and product and, you know, marketing and all the teams, but and equally true for developer relations, which means that on one front, they're doing a lot of stuff that won't see the light of day for a while. Although at this point, it will be seeing the light of the day very soon. Um, but for a lot of this year, they've been kind of building up towards something. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think it's just been awesome to see uh, these two teams uh, that are relatively new to the company and developer relations being a, a very new function to the company as a whole, um, starting to see those teams flourish and really get great work done. Um, very much uh, has been, you know, all, all of the emotions that you can imagine uh, when when doing something uh, big and new. Uh, but I'm really excited to, to see what's going to happen there. Uh, and then the other thing for work would be, uh, for me, getting back out on the road this the last, uh, you know, six months. You know, we went from a place where we were really doing some belt tightening for a while to getting to a place where we could really call some shots and say like, look, you know, we're a developer platform. We've got to go out and talk to developers um, and make sure that they know we exist and, uh, you know, do all those kind of things. And so we've uh, done a number of different conferences and events over the past six months. And uh, probably this was the, yeah, this was the most I've had an opportunity to get out there and just mix and mingle and talk tech with developers at this kind of scale uh, since before the pandemic. And it just, I don't know, there's something about this. Maybe I wouldn't want to do it every hour of every day, but there is like a a necessary piece of this when I just need to be talking to the developers that we serve, getting a sense for what's on their minds and understanding what they're trying to accomplish and then helping them understand how this technology, um, you know, could, could play a role in, in what they're trying to do. Um, and so it's just been fantastic. I've I've had hundreds of conversations and (laughs) I say that both excited and a little bit exasperated because you can imagine, right? Like we've, you've been in that mode, right? We've done this together where you're kind of giving people the rundown of what's the new thing and how, you know, talking to them about how it might plug into what they do many, many, many times in a given day to the point where you can't talk <laughs> when you wake up the next morning and you get to go do it again. And yeah, yes. it's just, it's a, for me, it's quite 
life affirming and mm-hmm. um it just puts a certain energy uh back into uh just everything everything that I do and I I, I don't think I'm unique in that I think a lot of people like when they you know get into developer relations they're doing it for that exact reason which is the connection of the people outside to the technology inside and it's not just tech for tech's sake but these are real humans real customers and real people trying to solve problems and that we can help them with mm-hmm. yeah i that's that's always what i love about getting developer feedback even if it is um either feedback you've heard before cuz um i mean it's unlikely that every that everyone is having unique problems but um it's also or when it's um you know passionate um feedback that it's not doing what it needs them what they needed to do or whenever like i mean all of that feedback for for both uh positive feedback and negative feedback i think is incredibly valuable cuz that person was passionate enough and cared enough to tell you here's what's working here's what's not and then that can help you inform the product and make it better and you know that this is having a direct impact on on a person on a business on 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 an organization and it is it is super cool to see the re- the results of that too is when they're able to go hey we shipped using x y and z and it's like oh that's fantastic and and you know that you were um a, a part of enabling that which is super cool yeah, and it's worth like for the developers out there to just kind of consider too that, you know, when you do provide negative feedback like that, that's a will. Those of us that are stewards of platforms and our various capacities will do everything we can to like take that and figure out what to do with it in a in a constructive mm-hmm. way. So, it does mean uh, more than you might think. Uh, occasionally, to shout into the ether or directly at us, and we can figure out what to do about it. Um, on the yeah. same front uh i'll say that <laughs> occasionally i'll make the point uh that you know when docs teams for example tend to get you know mostly just like the bad they hear the bad feedback you know about like hey i hate this page or whatever it's like <laughs> that kind of stuff um and so i i occasionally i'll remind teams that uh, docs teams it's like hey uh you know very rarely is someone going to show up and say hey great docs and uh i was making that point to the docs team uh, that I managed a, a few months ago, not not maybe an hour or two after I said that, did some incredibly positive feedback come in about their work. And I was like, all right, all right. So clearly I'm, I, I didn't mean that in the extreme. People will say nice things, but it's just, yes. uh, you, you got to. So for, I guess, a couple of points there for the developers in the room, but one is like, you know, we, we, we love the feedback. Um, and then occasionally if, if, if something is going great, uh, a mention of that, uh, can actually, uh, make, make someone's day. And, oh, yes. uh, yeah. So for what it's worth, yeah. um, com- compliments also acceptable. <laughs> compliments will go so far. Um, anytime I hear it as any compliment is like, yes, you've made my day, my week, maybe my month. Um, and um, it's always fantastic uh, to hear that because and I'm guilty of my, that myself. It's like it's always like, oh, I'm, I'm dealing with this problem. So I'll, I'll be motivated to post about that. And it's like, you no, know, there is um, there's other good things happening, too. Yeah, it's a really good point. You know, like I that's that's something I want to try to reflect on myself because, uh, uh, well, 
One, I, I've really gotten away from just kind of most social media in general. So there's less of me like making stating opinions just out mm-hmm. there in the world. But there, there is a lot of what I, I do a lot of like finding things that I believe are interesting for my team and bringing them back to the team Slack. Uh, one I posted yesterday, uh, just random compliment for somebody uh, at Railway, which was that their changelog blog posts are really good um like because what they are they're not just like a list of like changes to the platform of the api uh, indeed their most recent changelog blog posts like started out with a list of changes uh or updates to their developer forums which oh. is uh as we're, we're currently in the process of launching our own developer forums finally um and i'm super excited about this um <laughs> but i i yeah like yeah I don't know that I, you know, you and I have had the opportunity to work on forums together and I'm not sure that we ever were like, Hey, here's a, here's a bunch of positive changes based on your, your feedback. uh, And we're going to have a a forums (laughs) change log too. Just never occurred to me. So I I looked at that and I thought, wow, railway, this is really impressive. And it shows that you're really taking, taking that surface. That's really important to your developers and uh, treating it like, a thing to almost be versioned in a, in a positive way. Yeah. You, it's not just kind of, here we go. We spun up a discourse instance and kind of wash our hands of it. <laughs> no, that's such a good point. I mean, I mean, cause there's even, I mean, anything, the platform is more than just the capabilities or even the docs. The platform is all of that put together and including, you know, forums or how you get support. And especially if it's been challenging in the past or there's been difficulties with certain things, um, that's a, I wouldn't have thought of putting that in the change log, but that's actually a really cool idea. I may have to take yeah. that back to the, to, to our team as well. Yeah. And I, I honestly, there's also probably something in here for the DevRel folks in the room, but like, uh, treating it that way takes a lot of pressure off of you to get it all right on day one with the forums. And I've seen that right. a couple of times in life where it feels like, you know, the, we were treat something like forums is like a do or die, get it right the first time kind of thing when you wouldn't, you don't even do that with your APIs. Mm-mm. So like, <laughs> no. and, and those have much bigger teams and they're obviously bigger bets that you're placing, yeah. but still, I think, uh, take a little pressure off of yourself. And uh, part of that also gives you some room to grow based on developer feedback instead of trying to uh, prematurely optimize. Yeah, because if it's if software has told me anything, it's like you will have to go through those rounds regardless on anything. You're never going to get it right moment one. Um, and so it is kind of interesting that we try to do that with the support surfaces, because, of course, you're going to have to learn, learn and, and understand and adjust based upon the needs of your community. That's yeah, a, that's a that's a nice learning that I will definitely uh, take back. So uh, that's something that I think we'll end up unpacking a bit more next year, by the way, just because yes. like we're, I, my, my team's about to go through that whole uh, flow. And it's been a while since I've had a chance to be a part of something like this. And, uh, you know, so anyways, I, I think I'll probably be bringing more thoughts on that uh, as I'm trying to work things out in my own head. Can't wait. Uh, yeah. So uh, speaking of my own head and uh, uh, I don't know, hardware. 
Wait, we're not talking about hardware yet. Sorry. Uh, and also my head's not hardware, um, mostly. So uh, uh, we're supposed to talk about, we're supposed to, uh, we were going to talk about uh, our top three in personal sort of our personal lives. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm going to let you go first. You got like, you got like a bunch of good stuff here. Uh, can you, do you have a top three out of these? I do. Um, well, I think the first one, well, there's, the first one is um, actually not first on my list. It's last on the list. Um, so this is like, this has been my first full year uh, in Maryland and technically first full year, full-time remote. Um, so kind of part work, part personal. Um, but, um, and, you know, getting used to, uh, I'm still, still unpacking. There are boxes that um, have not yet been unpacked, but things are a little bit in more, more organized shape um put up more of the christmas this year than last year uh nice. which was which was nice so i've got the village and um i have a, i have this cute um tree that which was a present for my sister that i um it's a it's this um kind of ceramic tree with um light bulbs on it it's really pretty um didn't have uh didn't really do much last year but this year knew where all was because we'd gone through the organization of figuring out where all this was and actually put up more Christmas than we have in a while, which is kind of fun. Um, but that came with other things. So like first full year of, I, I've owned the house for longer than this because my parents lived here before I did, uh, before I moved it back. Um, but uh, experienced the joys of um, a water leak that led to plumbing work that led to discovering that um, some of it was out of code and had to be fixed right then and there. And then the water heater was not, um, <laughs> was, was no longer great. So, you know, all the joys of that stuff of going, okay, okay. We have to big expenditure and figuring out like, what do we do with all that stuff? So, um, we went tankless if anyone is at all interested in that. I never, I'd always heard maybe not great things about tankless water heaters, but it's been fine. What um, does that mean? Oh, tankless. There is no tank. As a it, non-homeowner in the room, <laughs> what are we talking about here? So the old water heater was, I mean, obviously this big barrel full of water. And they were, um, when we were chatting, it's like, well, this has to be held at a, held at temperature. And so there's a lot of, it was a reasonably energy efficient water heater, but it was also, um, it, it, it was coming to the end of its life. Um, it had been in the, the home for a good long while. And so I, we had a couple options. We could have replaced it with a full-on regular tank um, water heater and the cost on that. Or we could try to save some energy money, energy costs, like the uh, uh, not having to always keep that water hot all the time. Um, so we looked at the trade-offs and um, the warranty on like the tankless water heater was also like really nice compared to the the the. I don't know the better way to say it. it's not tank full, but the water heater with the tank. Um, and um, so just kind of not on a whim, but we looked at it and it's like, oh, you know, this has this, this should meet all of our needs. It has this much water throughput and all that stuff. But this thing basically gets water hot like instantly. And there is no tank. It's just this box on the wall and you have the water coming into it and you have um, it's hooked up to the propane and everything. And it, you turn the tap on and it immediately starts heating the water as it's running through the pipes. It is the okay. wildest thing. 
Gotcha. As you were explaining that, I started to click. So I think a lot of a lot of hot water in Japan works that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe be due to space. Uh, at uh, least yeah, the first time I'd ever heard smaller. of this. Yeah. So the first time I'd ever heard of this concept was uh, um, there. Hey, by the way, total tangent. But uh, in my wife, my wife's parents' house, so my in-laws' house, uh, way out in the countryside. Beautiful mental picture I could paint, but we'll skip for for the moment. So th- this place is like their place is not like uber connected to the outside world in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, and they have so, you know, obviously taking a bath in Japan is like a whole thing. So like you're, you're you do a shower and then you get in a bath uh, afterwards. And uh, the way that theirs works is you uh <laughs> you're basically like getting in a pot to boil almost because you go outside you set some logs on fire you push those under oh the my. bathtub so there's like <laughs> a little carve out of the bathroom that you that i don't know like it's like a little oven thing you slide in there and then that is basically cooking the bath water and your goal is to your try soup. to figure out <laughs> Based on your goal, is <laughs> trying to figure out based on um, you know how big the fire is, whether or not you're going to make like scalding water or not. And then oh, if you do, wow. then you've got to like put some cold water in that. So, anyways, um, probably more information than you've ever needed to know about like our bathing pra- practices when we're at my in-laws. But this is like always a thing, and uh, so you, there's a constant sort of like who who put too much cold water in because it was really hot uh, for a while kind of thing or why did you put so many logs on the, under the bath to begin with because that was never going to be like a reasonable mm-hmm. temperature for humans kind of thing so uh, yeah oh that there is hilarious i never imagined um it does it does it, we did have to learn how to use this new Tankless, like what what settings on our tap would make it too too hot or too cold? Like we went through a good couple of weeks of learning. Like okay, how do we get the hot water get the right spot? Because I just always gotten okay, put put it here and it will be the it'll be safe temperature. It won't be scalding, and um, that was a whole thing. But if you're having to do it with logs, you're having to do that all the time. Daily. Every time is a I unique mean... experience. <laughs> <laughs> that was a choice though right like I don't, this isn't like uh, some sort of i mean they're they're relatively unconnected but like you can choose <laughs> to be connected this was more of like we're gonna yeah. do things the old-fashioned way and i'm like it i don't know i bet that was uh fun for all of six months and then after that it's like you know decades why of, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, oh that's hilarious um but yeah i mean so far, our experiences with the tankless water heater have been good, even though when I was growing up, I always heard like, you know, that it would never wasn't wouldn't heat up fast enough and you wouldn't have good hot water. But ours is working great. Um, the other big thing, um, uh, two more. Um, these these should go fairly quick. Um, per, started trying to take better care of myself, which as I'm getting older is more and more important. So I've been on a diet for the last half of the year, at least. And I'm down, I thought, what is it? It's something like 40 or so pounds, which is Dang, crazy to think about. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, wow. Of course, it's coming up to Christmas, which means, uh, right, you've got all the nice sweets. So I have to be very careful with myself. Like Christmas, like the couple days around Christmas, you can you can have, but then right back on the diet because it has to be kind of a, a lifestyle change. But 
Um, so hopefully next year will be kind of the same, more of the same as getting down even further. And, and just as I get older, my, I discover new, new creaks and pops and everything else in my, in my joints. And it's like, okay, I gotta, gotta do better at taking care of myself. So that's one way I'm doing that. And then the other way is that I've been working on really trying to work on, I mean, I've been playing piano for years. Um, but haven't really ever delved too much into like the aspect of memorizing and, and learning, like pushing myself, uh, to any degree. And then since I've been teaching my nephew some piano, he's been pushing me because he's rapidly advancing, which is, um, the benefit of his young brain and his young frame. Um, and then I, but it's like this time around, it's like, I'm actually doing the kind of the work like, Oh, I should be memorizing some of these longer pieces. And just to keep my brain, a little bit more plastic um, or less plastic. I'm not sure what the right, more um, flexible. Just the right amount of plastic. The, the right amount of plastic. <laughs> um, so I actually went through this, this year it's been three classical pieces, which doesn't sound like a lot, but these are not like, these aren't trivial classical, like um, just a few chords or, or a few, uh, a few moments, um, but some Chopin, some Mozart, some, uh, Beethoven or yeah, some Beethoven. Um, and it's been fun to be able to, to think about playing piano a little bit differently when you have the piece memorized, cause then you're not having to focus on the sheet music. You can kind of imbue it a little bit more with, with emotion, if you're not having to always focus on, am I in the right place on the sheet and all of that stuff. So those have been my, my, my top three is, is full year in Maryland, uh, dieting the joys. I mean, the benefits of that after the fact are great at going through the diet, is, <laughs> um, but, um, seeing the end results and then, you know, getting, getting, moving my piano along rather than, um, just kind of stagnating, you know, it's easy to stagnate onto something. It's like, yeah, I, for what I need to do, it's good enough, but actually trying to push and learn new things, um, has been very useful this year. That's so interesting. I was just thinking yesterday about, you know, uh, my wife, Ryoko plays the piano as well. And uh, I was, she had a book open to some classical piano thing. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I was looking at it going, this is impressive to me that, you know, she didn't have a piano for years and years and years, and she can just open that up and read it. Um, I have no idea what it says. Uh, if I have, you know, I have an okay ability to read music at some point in my life, but lost it really quickly. Um, so on, whereas like your growth, it sounds like your growth vector is more on the memorization of it, so to speak. Whereas like, that would be like more home for me. Like I can learn something and then like keep it in my head. Um, that just seems to be like a more natural mode for me. Uh, a growth it, were I doing this and I'm, I'm not, uh, cause it's just not something I'm doing right. Like I'm not, this isn't a hobby for me at this point, but like uh, if I were trying to grow in that hobby, like the growth vector for me would be the, you know, learn to read the notes on the page. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that's yeah. just super interesting to hear because I bet depending on what kind of musician you are, everybody would probably have like a, a different sort of vector of growth versus strength. Yes. Yeah. And they do. And like, that's another thing that I want to get better at. Like I can read, but I, I'm not sight reading generally, unless it's a certain, unless it's like a lead sheet, I can generally sight read those. Okay. Um, but like put a classical piece of music in and I'm going to have to go, okay, what are all these notes? But then I find like, if I can actually get them to memory, I can do better on the performance than if I'm just like, 
always having to read it on the page. I'll keep the music around in case I'm, I, you know, lose my place or that my memory fails me, but it's been, it's been interesting to explore um, just to figure out like how it, it kind of gives you another avenue into um, how you perform that piece. Um, so it's, that's the cool thing I, I like about music or anything like a lot of the creative arts, like you could do it with music, you could do it with art, you could do it with photography or what have you coding for that matter is that there's always new new avenues and new perspectives to take so i thought it was uh fun to do this year that uh, that way yeah I don't, I don't know why but now i have like a for elise like going in through my head after you started talking <laughs> about this i blame 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 your list uh yes that's really weird like i can just i think part of it's like we just watched that uh charlie brown Christmas special oh, with yeah. our daughter the other day uh-huh. as, as you have, you as know, one you have to be with a kid every year. So like, and he plays that at some point when, uh, they're like the, what's that character's name? Um, Linus. No, no. Uh, um, uh, piano kid. Yes. Schroeder. Now I, Schroeder. Schroeder. Thank you. Not yeah, Linus. So I was like, thinking of Linus the, and Lucy, the, the title of the song, but. Yeah, he uh, he plays that. Actually, I picked that soundtrack up on vinyl this year, which we'll probably yeah. talk about vinyl a bit in a minute. Uh, and I thought that might be on there. And I don't think it is. Now I'm forgetting. But for some reason, I had a moment where I'm like, I'm sure it's not on there. And now I'm less sure. So there's definitely some differences between like what made it onto the soundtrack and uh, what's in the show. That's um, interesting. But but either way, like it's it's a good listen. Um, it is. To, yeah. If you if you're into vinyl, it's worth picking up. I, I don't have the vinyl of that, but I did. Um, I, it is in my Christmas um, Apple Music library of, of some of the songs from that show because it's just such good music and the jazz variations of it is like. And this was for a kids' cartoon, but it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, no wonder it's like stood the test of geez, fifty test or sixty time, years yeah. at this point. Yeah. Well, um, on, on my side of things, when it comes to personal stuff, uh, first up is a person, we, we started working with a personal trainer. Um, so for us to, uh, I don't know what it was, but it seems like you and I both like decided, uh, well, well, well before the new year, uh, that, uh, we are going to go on a, uh, kind of like personal improvement thing, starting right? with the physical foundations. And, uh, certainly the, you know, going back to the pandemic again, like we definitely let uh, some stuff slip. Uh, during that time, and now we're uh, <laughs> paying the price for it in terms of um, <laughs> paying someone to yell at us. Uh, into <laughs> not really, our, our our trainer is like a fantastic guy, uh, and he's just been he's made it like way more fun than it should be. To be quite honest, like I thought this was gonna suck from start to finish, but what I found out is like I'm having I'm looking forward to this stuff. He's got mm-hmm. me. Uh, he's got both of us going to these boot camp classes, which sounds like gym class and who, who loved gym class? Certainly not I. Um, but actually this is like great. It's just a bunch of adults in New York suffering at the same time together. And that makes me feel good somehow. Misery loves company. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. Uh, so yeah, um, uh, that's been really good. We, we've been doing it for about, uh, two months and, uh, oh, wow. it's been fantastic. So, um, I don't know if there's something good there. Mm-hmm. Also say on the personal front, uh, less me, but, uh, you know, my wife, Ryoko, she started her own business this year. Uh, and I've, you know, been, I I've been doing a lot of the help, so to speak, uh, putting together a little website on Wix, uh, 
that I mentioned earlier and all that kind of stuff. So it's just been really cool to see her diving into that. And then, you know, mm -hmm. she went full time into it and is off to a great start. So oh, that's, that's an exciting one. Yeah, it's it's something she's been thinking about for a long time. So I love uh, seeing seeing that kind of starting to work out for her. Mm -hmm. And then finally, uh, we got to we got to go back to Japan, which you and I talked about for a little while um, on one of the episodes a while back. But um, we spent most of August there, uh, which is really important mm -hmm. for us because our daughter was born there, but then had to spend five years away thanks to some timing around just when we were going to go back and then the pandemic started. So we had already let a couple of years slip and then there were more years where we weren't allowed right. to go back. So uh, anyways, uh, she, she loved it. Um, she mm. still asks about it all the time. Uh, and so that's really exciting for us because we just, that could have gone either way. Uh, yeah. And uh, it went for what we were hoping was the right way. Uh, and that's, that's really good. So um planning to do it again this year as well uh, spend a good chunk of our summer there uh, and just let her spend time with her relatives and and that part of her culture that's awesome because like i mean you want you want your kids to have or like that sense of connection is important and so it's like it's 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 good that she was able to make that connection and it was a positive one yep having having um, that understanding of where, where how did i get here where did i come from those kinds of things and um, that's always super cool. Yeah, she's uh, <laughs> the funniest thing that she. Well, I don't know. Like she's some of her takeaways were just really interesting. But one of the ones is after we got back. Occasionally, she'll still ask me this, and she's like, "Dada, why is New York so dirty? Not it's not like Japan." And I'm like, "Yeah." Well. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like one, maybe don't uh, yell that out loud. Thank you. We're, right. <laughs> we're in a restaurant, but also like, uh, <laughs> it's just, that's kind of the nature of uh, the city. I don't know. Uh, it's uh, just, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Different, different strokes. <laughs> yeah. Different strokes. I, I always tell people though, like that's, I, I, I love the chaos and filth of New York. Like it's, not i'm not there despite that it's kind of part of it and maybe that makes there's, me part of the problem because i'm not trying to raise the standards but like there's just something about it that feels um you know it, it can be overwhelming and it can have mm -hmm. its bad parts but like there is that sort of i don't know there 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 are you can imagine a society where everything is so dialed in and yeah. so regulated and there are lots of expectations about the one right way to do things that that can feel stifling in a way that, mm -hmm. you know, she, she may not know yet, but certainly right. I've lived that. And so, yeah. you know, and again, there are some good parts to that as well. Um, mm -hmm. Every, I, I don't know. I, I think anyways, like, it's just funny to see like a kid kind of like observing some things on the surface and then like summing it up in a question like that. <laughs> <laughs> and kids have the best questions like that and they will, and they find the, the worst possible times to ask the questions sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, it needs to be yelled out at a restaurant yeah, when you're trying to have a nice right. dinner. <laughs> Honestly, she's not talking about this restaurant. No. Yeah, I know. This is fine. <laughs> Please don't Thankfully, we're part of the furniture in our uh, neighborhood at this point. So a lot of people know what they can expect out of my daughter half of the time, which is very much sort of random bursts of uh, silliness. So it's good. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> So yeah, that's the personal stuff. Uh, there's probably really important things I'm forgetting. So I'm preemptively apologize to people who I am not mentioning something about, but like, uh, I don't know, like it's been a year uh, and I think 
it's just like these are the main things and by the way each one of the three things i mentioned happened in very different parts of the affair yes um yeah. so like uh, and, th- and that's kind of cool i can kind of look back and be like yeah these were three chunks of the year and they all kind of represent like different points mm-hmm. of kind of our own progress as a family and me as a person and, and all that kind of stuff yeah which is super cool um and i don't know kind of gives a you almost have <laughs> i'm suddenly i'm imagining you know a youtube chapter timeline with you know the little dots across the bottom that says oh here's when this happened and here's when this happened but um gives a sense of space and um timing to the year which is nice yeah, that'd be um, great. No, yeah, we got we got through all the feeling stuff. Now let's talk about that sweet sweet hardware <laughs> sweet, that sweet I tried hardware. to jump right over the personal stuff and get right into it. So you have quite the list here. Uh, what are we What are we going for here? What you got? So um, I'm going to call out a couple things top of mind. Um, two of them. So one of them has to do with, I'm not going to go over in, in big detail. Um, the top one on here is an, is the iPhone 15. Um, I had upgraded from an iPhone 10, something like that. So big jump. Um, and I can tell the jump. Um, so I'm enjoying my iPhone 15. Um, but this is also the first time I'm exposed to MagSafe, which I'm loving. Um, but um, this came, um, I was doing some digging because um, it's like, why, you know, get this thing and then never try to use MagSafe. Well, maybe I should figure out what this is about. And so um, I ended up finding a few reviews that talked about this three in one charge stand. And it sounds like it's, it's, it's really simple. Like it's just a charging stand, but you have to understand that before this, my phone would just be um, somewhere in the vicinity of my nightstand. Um, on top of something in a box, like it, like, and then the alarm goes off and then you're trying to figure out where it's at. So like, this is, this is the chaos of my, my bedroom. Um, <laughs> and it's like for like the last few months now is like, now that I've got the stand and not even for a few months, it's not, the iPhone's not been out that long. Um, like the phone is just in a consistent spot. I have like a nice, it goes red at night. So you can still see the time if you need to look at, check it out and everything. And it's charged by the time I need to look at more like no more forgetting a few times to not plug it in. And therefore I don't get my alarm going off because my phone is my alarm. That's the only way it works for me is I have several alarms set up to get me up in the morning. Um, so I don't, I don't know what, what stood out to me is that it's just a good product. Um, it does what it does really well. It's sturdy. It holds onto the phone really well. I never worry about the phone slipping off, even though I have a case on it that is, is MagSafe compatible. It's always charged the next morning. Um, and it just works about the only thing complaint I have about it is like, it has a a spot for the Apple watch, which is fine, but it's like behind, it's a little like fiddly. I'm not as secure in, in placing a watch on the back of it, but for what it, for the iPhone side of the house, it, it does really good. So e- ESR three in one charge stand wasn't that terribly expensive. Um, and it's just a good, good piece of kit. Um, those are by the way, like we got, we decabled our entire bedroom. Thanks to this uh-huh. kind of thing. Like we have one that's like each of us real and I have a, it's like a flat panel where you just lay phone Ooh, AirPods. Yeah uh watch and we travel with them because they're easy to throw into your backpack or or your suitcase because they're flat so they just don't take up any space they just yeah. a little extra weight but that way you're 
you're just not fiddling with a bunch of cables. As a matter of fact, I, yeah, I have traveled recently without mine. And then I end up with the bag, the standard bag of cables with me, which is horrible. And it's a lifestyle downgrade to say the least, especially because yes. like, um, I guess if you're on the iPhone 15, you have USB-C. And yes. Which is see, one less so, cable. But then I have yeah, my, I'm, um, I, my other like headphones is still lightning. So I still have to bring a lightning cable, but, um, yeah, someday we'll uh, figure it out. But like all this cable <laughs> stuff, I think at some point, I I don't know, like the whole cable thing we can talk about again another time. But yeah, at this point, like I've just got a tangle of cables sometimes when I'm traveling and it's just a lot, a lot to deal yeah. with. Um, but when I think to throw that um, three in one charger in, it's just mm-hmm. really nice to have with me. Yeah, I've thought about grabbing one for when I travel next because I it's, it's just now so nice not having to worry about it. Like I put my phone there and wake up in the morning and it's fine. And, um, it, there's just something so cool about it. Um, the other one, and this is, um, this is more recent. Um, but, um, in fact, I've only had it for maybe a week, maybe a couple of weeks now, a couple of weeks. Um, I bought a new solid state drive and that doesn't sound super fun and exciting, but I had my previous backup for uh, or my previous backup drive for my MacBook was a SanDisk Extreme. And those have had problems where they will just spontaneously lose, die and lose your data. And so it's like it, it was getting to in my mind, it's like it's getting too long to wait. So it's like find something to replace it with. And I was running out of space on it anyway. So I got a Samsung T7 um, two terabytes and a black Friday sale. So it was decent price loving it. It's fast. It doesn't get super hot. The sand disc would always get crazy hot, like worrisomely hot and then it would slow down. And so it would take forever to do like things. And if you copied too much to it, it would just spontaneously eject. So like good luck trying to move big files around, but the, the Samsung, it's just working. Um, the only thing I, the only complaint I have about it is I bought one that is a little bit, um, like, um, the, what's the right word? Like more robust. So it's got the rubberized external. Um, so it'll, if I drop it, it'll be fine. Or if I run over it with something, it'll be fine. But that thing picks up dust, like nobody's business. So it's not nice to look at, <laughs> but it does its job. Um, and, um, I just thought I'd call that one out because, um, if anyone hasn't heard about the sand disk issues and you have important data on there maybe now is the time to be concerned because literally when I plugged it in for the first time and I was going to start the transfer, my SanDisk took a good five minutes to mount. And in that time, my Mac was like frozen on any disk access. Like it was genuinely like maybe I've waited too long and I'm going to have to start fresh. And, and like, I wouldn't have lost anything thankfully because it was still on my, my main machine. But, um, worth thinking about um is making sure that your backup solution is is in is in decent stead um and then the last one um i've talked about it a few times already but um taking advantage of it right now staring right at it um is this insta 360 link webcam um it's i use it daily for work it is everything you know i use it for for video calls like it's probably my most used piece of tech even though it's not like for fun um but it's just so much better than macbook webcams um 
the only thing I suggest is turn the AI features off because you inevitably, I talk with my hands and the last thing you want is the camera zooming in on the wrong part of the screen or going off into La La Land because you told it to do something. <laughs> but I yeah, think those I are my top that, three. I wonder if that will be like one of those things that a newer generation of people will just come to expect that the camera has AI smarts baked into it and therefore they adjust without realizing it. Whereas for me, like, you know, doesn't like Mac OS now have like AI stuff yes, baked into, well, sorry, do. I don't know if it's AI, but it's like you raise hand, your hand, hand recognition. Or, yeah. Yeah. All that. Like, I, I don't know. Like I have not seen something like that that doesn't do anything but distract. It's just kind of funny yes. for a second and then obnoxious and you yes. have to go like find the way to turn it off. Especially when it does false positives. And this is, I haven't had a false positive yet with Mac OS. So I actually haven't turned that part of it off yet. Um, the moment it does gives me a false positive, it'll, I'll have to turn it off. But my, the, it was the one downside of the Insta360 is I would set it off a lot. And maybe if you don't talk with your hands, that's not a problem. And you were very intentional about what you, what signals you sent. But I found that it was just not reliable enough for me to do. And so it's like, I'm not going to be changing how often I talk with my hands because that's just impossible. <laughs> it's wired into me at this point um, in my life. And um, so I, I turn it off. But everything else about it, like the video quality um, is is a, is excellent. Um, you can you have software that can control it. I have it plugged into my uh, my stream deck to 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 route it around. It's got its foibles here and there. I wish it were more extensible or more drivable by third party software, but um, it does its job and it does its job way better than the MacBooks webcams do. Um, so it's it's my it's probably my most used tech of the year. <laughs> Very cool. Well, for me, uh, I have a quick three here. One is uh, the Sound Burger by Audio Technica. It's a re-release of a uh, very minimal record player from the 1980s. Uh, the update, uh, the updated version, uh, which was originally limited edition, um, and since then they have seemed to have made it more broadly available. So I picked it up in the non-limited edition era of. Uh, later the latter half of this year um but it's uh usbc uh chargeable um it's nice. a rechargeable battery uh it has uh is it phono or line i always get them mixed up i think it's line out it's one of the audio out so you can run it directly to a speaker if you want but it also does mm -hmm. bluetooth so Ooh. um like in my living room i have a hi-fi sort of my own you know kind of like hi-fi setup that i've put together nothing super mm -hmm. duper fancy but it is like you know piece by piece put together and all that um so you know introducing bluetooth into the mix um i'm 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 really not a huge fan of bluetooth anyways uh i know some people no. that are but like i just find it to be incredibly faulty technology um and unreliable in in so many ways uh playing yeah. records over bluetooth is not your way path to listening to some sort of hi-fi setup but um like that when when the hi-fi resolution or whatever it is like when that's not the point it you know it, there are other reasons to put on a record mm -hmm. and so for me what i do is uh i have the hi-fi setup in the living room but in my home office uh 
I found that, you know, I'm, I'm just finding that my interactions with music, I want them not so much to be an app on my phone or an yeah. app somewhere on my desktop. Uh, so getting back into the physical realm uh, with music is feels it feels more special to me. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, having a record player nearby uh, in my home office has forced me to remember to occasionally stand up and uh, <laughs> get off my computer. Yeah. And like put my thoughts on something else for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, at the record at most, what are you getting? Like 30 minutes per side, if even. So yeah. you're definitely, and I have plenty of records that don't go that long because, you know, sometimes it's just a, a track or two, um, you know? So anyways, like I like kind of in the morning, just picking a stack of different records that I want to listen to, bring them into my office and just kind of put them on one by one, um, you know, get into some deep work, but then be reminded to occasionally pull back. Uh, and so the sound burger is making that possible for me in a, in a very, with a very minimal footprint in a small home office. I have them connected to like a, a, uh, some kind of Bluetooth speaker that I just bought. Now I'm going to forget what it is. Uh, so you don't get to know, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's, it's a really good speaker. Um, I think maybe Wirecutter recommended it, so that might be. Mm, anyways, might. some for some kind of gadgety things like that, I'll I'll tend to look there and see what they they pick. But Soundburger, really freaking such, cool. Uh, it's such a cool looking fun. thing. Yeah, I, I just learned about this today, so I'm I'm enamored at the moment. <laughs> yep. Yep, definitely recommend. Uh, next up is the uh, Mac Studio. So I know mm. we talked about this at some point. As a matter of fact, I think we talked in depth about some of the specs, stupid, stupid, stupid specs that I uh, <laughs> bought into because <laughs> because I absolutely needed to. But like, uh, no, not 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 stupid actually, because like then you get to do some cool stuff, uh, especially right. around uh, playing around with Olama has been fantastic because mm-hmm. I can just put that on my machine. Ulama has a little rest API that you can call into. Um, and the speed at which it runs is wild on, uh, whatever chip it was. That's really funny. We did a whole episode of it. Now I'm forgetting. I think, I I think I have the ultra, uh, M2. Yes. I think so. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Because Uh, I remember mine was the, the pro M1. So (laughs) I was jealous. Yeah. Uh, well, so, uh, by the way, check out Hacker News today because, like, there's something about running uh, some uh, something on an M1 in MacBook Air uh, that's a Mistral uh, model that Ooh. theoretically seems like it should be a pretty tight fit for a machine, the machine that you have. Oh, nice! I didn't get to read this, but it seems like there was a, a discussion that would probably be worth reading. If I, I'm not in that situation, so I didn't click through to read more yeah. about it, but. So the situation I'm in is sort of like put all these ginormous models onto a Mac studio and then let them run. And uh, they're pretty freaking fast. Uh, And then you can kind of build some fun things with it. Um, You know, just kind of like little personal projects here and there. Uh, But that's been super fun. That's super cool. And last is I'll just call out um, the Moleskine Cahiers notebooks uh, is my forever piece of hardware. Uh, I don't know. They're, they're soft notebooks. Maybe they're software in some way, but like um, I always have. See a, what you did there. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't very good, but I tried. Uh, so like <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I always have a notebook on me and uh, I don't see that changing anytime soon. I have met some, a number of very smart people uh, that uh, I, I think are interesting folks who 
now have these remarkable twos. Um, yes. And that does seem kind of compelling. Uh, and I got an opportunity to ask a bunch of questions to somebody at the local meetup that I organized in, in Queens the other day. And it sounds like most of what I want uh, is in there. You can, you can tag pages, you can search them. It will attempt to understand your handwriting to the point that um, you could search for words in there if it understood. Uh, I think that my mileage will definitely vary on that feature <laughs> if I were to do it. Um, yeah. Yes. I think for me, I would, th by the way, those things are wildly expensive. Um, Crazy. So it, yeah, I priced like, it out. What, 600 and, or something like that, I think? Yeah, it was going to be 600 for because like it's like the base thing By the time itself, you get cover and everything. You got to get a cover, you got to get a pencil, and then it's like more money for the pencil that has an eraser on the end of it. And like, who oh. doesn't want the eraser? I want the eraser. <laughs> you definitely want the eraser. It sucks <laughs> to it's like another, have an eraser. <laughs> it's like another 50 bucks or something. So anyways, like <laughs> I just kind of looked at it and I'm like, I would only want to do this if there was some sort of like trial to buy program with them <laughs> because I don't yeah. want to spend one. I probably shouldn't spend that money. Anyways, I love my, my paper notebooks, moleskin kickers all the way. I've been using them for years and years. Uh, I finished one and I always have a bunch of others waiting for me because I know I'll go through them. Um, but there's something about having things searchable in a digital mm -hmm. format that feels like it could be useful so yeah i'm not really sure uh but this this could be it, who knows maybe when we're wrapping up next year i i'm saying something about remarkable too <laughs> but for now it's moleskin kahirs which has been my tried and true notebook for geez six or seven years at this point yeah I, I i don't it would be strange seeing you not or without a moleskin notebook around because I, I you always had them around at, at your desk at work uh, at Adobe and it's like ah that would be interesting now if you had a, a remarkable two that had a case that looked like a moleskin maybe that would be the seller it's, <laughs> it's it's funny you even mention it because I've been having the same conversation with myself not so much remarkable's been in the play or in in the mix but there's another one out there she what is it uh the i'm gonna forget the main name but any like the book tab ultra c or something like that where it has faster refresh um the only downside and uh, not really downside but could be if you want to do that like ultra limited um not uh, have a lot of distractions part of remarkable is that the other ones tend to have android on them um, so technically you can install a lot of other apps, which means you could be tempted to like distract yourself, which is not the point of what these would be for. Um, a little bit cheaper if I remember right. Um, but um, it has crossed my mind a few times because I've been take like, I've been doing the same similar things as I have um, some notebooks from, they're not moleskin. So they're not, they're, they're just some of the leftover, um, leftover creative cloud um, notebooks that we got from a ways back. I still have a few of those around and um, but it, searchability would be nice. And then I look at my handwriting and I'm thinking, I don't think anything would ever actually understand it. <laughs> I, so I'm I not actually sure attempted how useful this. it would be. Yeah. I attempted that at one point with some NPM modules, <laughs> uh, like <laughs> <laughs> to see if I could get some OCR going with my own handwriting. And uh, I, 
between this was years ago, but between the capabilities of my laptop and let's be honest, my own capabilities of understanding how to make OCR work at the, at the code level, <laughs> uh, I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to wait for somebody else to figure this one out because, <laughs> because yeah. I, don't, I, I wasn't, I'm not a hundred percent convinced it's a solvable problem when it comes to my own writing. Um, mm. For some people, Minus chicken some scratch. people write. Yeah, some people write amazingly, but I definitely have more of the doctor type handwriting. Yes, and it's 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 bad enough. It's like if if it's not um, obvious to me, come a few days later, it may never be deciphered. So you know there is that problem too. <laughs> yeah, don't you love it when you write yourself a note and then like, it's like what did I a mean? month later? You're like, what did this say? Why did I write <laughs> better? <laughs> it's bad enough when you do that like in a i saw somebody oh geez now i can't remember who it was but some somebody on online today had written like a some kind of tweet type thing it wasn't on twitter though uh something about like it's like the time of year again where you're going through your own backlog and wishing you had written clearer notes and i'm like oh yes. yeah even when i write digital format sometimes i'm not as clear as i thought i was oh yes what did i mean when i said that i'll just have to invent it on the spot again <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I, I like to think about future me thinking me and then too all too often. I'm not actually thinking enough about future me. Uh, maybe that's something to work on next year. Mm. <laughs> let, fu- let future you work on it. Yeah, there you exactly. Go. <laughs> yes. I love future you. This um, is the problem, Carrie Hasey. Don't you see? This exactly. is exactly the pattern. <laughs> Shoot. It's self-reinforcing. <laughs> future me will never be thinking about past me um cool so uh we've talked a little bit about hardware um i had a couple of them i had actually had several here for software but i'm not going to go over all of them um i wanted i thought i would talk about a couple um really quick um so i um i don't know if you you've ever if you ever used mint or some other like financial management tool where it's like get a because I have so many accounts all over the place. I like to have something in one spot where I can go look at, is there anything unexpected happening with my transaction? It makes taxes so much easier too sometimes. So, um, but then Mint is going away um, to be replaced by a not as great tool uh, with Credit Karma um, and not all the same institutions. And it was like, (laughs) of course. So um, what are some alternatives? And apparently there's a lot of them. So I'm not going to say that the one I chose is the best. Um, But so far it's working for me and seems to have the parts, the parts that I was using of mint. So there were several things. There was like, you could track transactions, but you could also have history. You could do searching and categorization and all that. Um, But it would also do investment tracking. So like I can have it connected to my um, stock account and and just have an eye on everything. Um, I can almost do all of that with, um, my pick, which was rocket money. Um, and I kind of been resisting rocket money because like their ads and their advertising, I'm not, I, on TV, I kind of get annoyed at, but it's actually a reasonably decent product. Um, it, I won't say it connects to as many institutions as mint did. Um, and there's a couple that are a little bit more flaky than I feel like they should be. I have a couple of accounts that it keeps not connecting to. Um, but in general, like getting it, it, launching it was painless. It was easy enough to connect all my financial institutions. Um, the only thing it didn't, there was a couple things that it didn't support, um, but they weren't like um, deal breakers for me. 
and I've been using it for um, the past oh, month or so, maybe a little bit longer than that. So far, it's been working out well. I ended up paying for the pro version just because they have a, you know, pay what you want to upgrade to a few things. And it was worth it enough for me to do that, um, which um, I think is because I, I, I mean, I'll pay for software if it's worth paying for, if that makes sense. Um, but um, and this this one feels like it is, at least for now. Um, I try I was trying a few other alternatives and finding them annoying or painful to use. And it's like, OK, um, but I, I like having it all in one space. So um, if you haven't given Rocket Money a try and you liked using Mint, it might work for you. Um, the other one that I wanted to, to mention real briefly is one that I just found, uh, within the last week called backup loop at L O U P E. So not L O O P, but backup L O U P E. Basically it's a way to inspect time machine snapshots in a better, better's the wrong word in a different user interface. Cause like Apple will let you inspect your time machine backups. You can go through history, but it's always in this like um, 3D perspective view and you have to navigate across the timeline. Like it doesn't does tell it you still what do files. That? Like it still does. Are you that. still in a galaxy and all of that kind of thing? It doesn't give you the galaxy, which is kind of a miss because it still has all the other trappings. It has the timeline and the, like the faded windows that zoom past, which it's, it's cool for a tech demo. But um, my problem was I had ran out of space on my device and I need to clear out some time machine snapshots and figure out what, what, you know, I had noticed like it was some of my time machine snapshots were taking up a lot of space for no good reason. Like I hadn't changed anything. So why are my backups suddenly large? And I couldn't go into time machine and figure out, well, what are the big files? Like, where is it looking that something is suddenly changing a lot, but backup loop gives you a finder-esque kind of hierarchical file view. You can go pick a, a time machine snapshot, click on it, it'll go index it. And then you can find all the files it went and either added or removed from that backup. And so you can find out, and in my case, I found out there were, um, it was picking up some cached stuff from Slack, which I don't need to be backing up to my time machine. Um, it was picking up stuff from, uh, a few things in Safari, which don't need to be backed up. And sometimes these were big, massive, like lots of several gigabytes of changes. It was like, don't back that stuff up. And so it even has this little right click exclude from time machine in the future. So it's not free software, but it's like 21, 25, 21 bucks. So worth it if you use Time Machine and you want to know what in the world is going into your backup. And if you can want you to do, manage it. Can you do like a matching patterns or something like that where was, I can imagine your NPM modules getting in there. And I used to get so, when I was a Dropbox user, I used to get so frustrated because there was no easy way to like say, don't put my my yeah. NPM module. I'm like, I all, I, all I want in life is like a way to exclude, <laughs> NPM, to exclude NPM folders. <laughs> That's a good question. I know um, Time Machine has like some, like you can set up some wildcards in your Time Machine stuff. So I might already have it set up to do that. Um, I This backup loop does way more than just what I went into. Like there's all sorts of things you can do on it. So it might do some of that too. Um, I need to delve into it more. Um, but I, I paid for that yesterday cause I was out of space and it's like, why are these taking up so much space? Cause I want to be sure if I'm going to get rid of them, like what was in them and there was nothing useful in them. Um, so it was, it was nice 
useful software. It did its job and didn't mind paying paying for something that was high quality. It it worked, didn't crash. And if I was more comfortable on the terminal, you could have done it with terminal commands. Um, but in this case, I this this is getting into territory that it's a little bit like I would have to do a lot more research. And here's something paid that lets me do it in five seconds. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can see the value in that. What what's that one? There's an app that will show a tree map of the current state of your hard drive. Oh, um, something. I know which one you're talking about, and I grand can't perspective. Up. Grand perspective, yes, yes. And that that one, as far as I remember, is a, is a free app. Um, but it, yes. it's another one of those things where if you care about this stuff at all, that like you can imagine like paying the developer a few bucks for it. I've been using that app since the aughts, probably. I think there was a, Forever, there was yeah. another app that preceded it that mm-hmm. was that looked, and I don't remember its name. And then there was Grand Perspective after that. But yeah. um, the nice thing about getting the tree map, it's a tree maps the thing that'll like kind of display the say a hundred percent of something is a rectangle and then it'll start mm-hmm. to like divide into sub rectangles based on how much space or, or, you know, something's taking up. And, um, that I've, I've been able to, you know, not so much these days in terms of just like managing my overall hard disk space, because like that is less of a factor in the world where we have like terabytes even internally sometimes on our computers. Mm-hmm. But, Let's say, for example, you're trying to bail yourself out of a limitation on Dropbox or you don't want to wait forever for X, Y, and Z to sync and you're trying to figure out, okay, what's in here that I could easily get rid of? What's taking Mm -hmm. up space? Um, And being able to aim grand perspective, not just at your entire hard drive, but you can also aim it at folders. That that can be really helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other one related to that one... um, I use a little paid tool called Daisy Disk, um, which is grand perspective, but it's instead of uh, rectangles, it's like a, a circular chart. Um, so it doesn't quite um, have the, you, you can use grand perspective for slightly different things in terms of visualization. Um, but that one has bailed me out a few times too, because it can, it, it gives you similar benefits of like, oh, percentage of files in these folders and rough overviews and things like that. And it can even go in and if you give it permission, it will go and do look at the hidden stuff that Mac OS helpfully hides from you <laughs> to, to figure out like, is it because Mac OS has purgeable space, uh, which is what I was running into at the end of the day is I had some time machine stuff that hadn't synced yet. Um, so I was technically out of space, even though it was purgeable, which is weird. Um, but Daisy disk will show you that to you in a nice uh, thing of like, Oh, here's how much you could purge if you uh, got rid of that. So grand, pers- but grand perspective is awesome. I always love the visualizations that come out of these things. I don't so much love having to clean my drive up after the fact. But. Yeah. I was watching uh, just when we were in, we were at an event called API days, Paris uh, for, for Nihilus a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, our de- developer advocates have just like, they've made all these really cool videos of like demos they've built of just like fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, w- one of our developer advocates, Ram, had built a, uh, basically a grand perspective for your email. Um, oh, and, uh, that would <laughs> yeah, be amazing. In- Isn't that neat? Like, so there's like, I, I don't remember all the ins and outs of his, his particular demo, but uh, 
if I remember correctly, it was something to the tune of like, you could just visualize like how much, what your space is being eaten up by. Um, and you know, you can, again, like it's how many people are running up against the limits of their Gmail, probably not that many, but there, there generally speaking, I think the reason to use a tool like grand perspective or something like this is these days, not often because you're trying to delete things so you still have space to save other things it's there's something else going on that you want to you want to know more about so mm-hmm. uh anyways i'll i think it's a really fun demo and that was on our demo reel uh on the screen behind us while we were talking to developers so that was part of it so i got to see that uh played out over and over again oh i want that yesterday <laughs> that yeah isn't so it fun cool. they, they've built all kinds of cool things he he built something that was kind of like uh Fairly close to like, what if Tinder, but for email, which like you could, uh, <laughs> which is really neat, right? Like you can, so like you're just presented with the queue, like one by one of all of your emails, you swipe left or right. And uh, that's something I've wanted for a long time. That's like, slick. What if, what, if, what if swipe right? And then now maybe something you're, you're, you're actually teaching a system, something about what you tend to uh-huh. swipe right on. Um, so there's a lot of little fun oh, things like yes. that. Um, anyways, not that this is about that, but like, <laughs> but, but one of the plays we're actually going to start experimenting with in, in Q1 is what if developer advocates could like build some small utilities and put them in prod just for users to come play around with. And oh, that would be uh, awesome. Yeah. So we can move out of the, you know, I think I've heard this feedback from developer advocates over the years, just in different places where are like, we build a lot of demos. What if we could like make a thing and ship it. And uh, yeah. so I think we're going to try to play around with that a bit and then just, you know, users can benefit from doing something cool, but at the same time, uh, developers will, will give them the source code. So I love uh, that idea. Yeah. Tree map for Gmail. Carrie. Tree map for I, Gmail. I didn't, I, I'm a little surprised you were that excited about it, but I, I mean, I think anything that can help us understand a little bit more about the black box that is our mm-hmm. email accounts is usually a good thing. Well, you, if you saw the state of my Gmail and how much in shambles it is, like, I mean, just knowing even things to target of, you know, what can I better, how can I better apply rules to either delete things or, or get rid, not to save space necessarily, but just to, I don't need the in my inbox um, or better categorize things like having an, a sense of like, what does it look now and what could it look like? Mm, that's chef's kiss for me. Like I, I, I would, I would be on that in a heartbeat. <laughs> That's cool. We got a bunch of fun little ideas like that. So I'll stop stealing our own thunder here. But like <laughs> that that one's already out there. It's just I don't know if uh, I'd have to see if the I'm sure the code's probably on GitHub, too, mm-hmm. um, but it's not deployed. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, backup loop sounds like super interesting uh, because that is, I hear what you're saying in terms of I'm, I'm not a time machine user anymore, but there was a time in my life where I, I used it a lot. Mm-hmm. And the primary interface is kind of like a weird mode that your computer ends up in and it's you bizarre don't quite feel like it's how do i say this like <laughs> a serious real thing it's like right. kind of like for a once in a blue moon you need to go like retrieve an old version of a file which almost never happens anyways yeah so like now other than that maybe you're hoping that it can help you avoid some sort of cataclysm i suppose uh but otherwise like what are you supposed to do with all that? I think having a tool that lets you take a little more 
again, for lack of a better word, like serious approach to mm-hmm. using this great feature. Um, that sounds compelling. Um, yeah. My former use time machine using heart would have liked that at the time. These days I'm uh, YOLOing all of my files. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is definitely like, and that's why I went ahead and bought it as like one, just to say kind of thank you for that. This tool even exists. And two is like, there have been times where it's like, okay, I, I, I know a file or something like this exists. I, 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 I don't ever feel like I fully understand what the fancy interface is doing. So um, to this point, it's mo- mainly been, catastrophic or being able to restore a machine from it. But um, now I feel like I can do more than that, which is kind of cool. Sweet. Um, did you have another one? I, we talked about Rocket Money and Backup Loop. Anything else you um, wanted to cover from this very lengthy list of stuff that we have here? <laughs> By the way, you uh, how did you do all the other things and use all of the software this year? <laughs> well, um, part of it was day job because like Firefly and Adobe Express is part of my day job. But um, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't have the the... <laughs> The uh, the day that Firefly got released was the least productive day I think I've ever had because I just spent so many cycles playing with Firefly. Um, and Express is kind of the same way. Is like it's just so it's such a cool way to get things done and not to to advertise for 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 Adobe and and, and my day job, but I think they're pretty cool stuff. So please you know check them out if you haven't. But um, Firefly's the Gen AI there was just like. Um, I have a folder on my disk that has many hundreds of images complete with the prompts kind of building up like this little prompt library as well. Um, to the point that I now think I need to use Lightroom to categorize them. Um, so I might have a slight problem. <laughs> I yeah. might need help. <laughs> but <laughs> that'll be the wild. third one I mentioned is Firefly and Express. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw in an honorable mention for Lightroom. It's just like, I'll, say it to anybody that'll listen, but geez, Lightroom on iOS has just been on fire since they went into whatever sort of like uh, amazing mode they went into starting roughly 2017 or so. I don't know. There was a moment when Lightroom on iOS just became super useful and made a lot of sense to my brain anyways. And uh, the the sheer capabilities on it, like the ability to just like auto select subject or like sky or background and and all that kind of stuff. Parts of subjects now, like I, I I was playing with this. (laughs) You can now select the subject and say select the eyes or select the um, select hair. Like it it is. I was. That's cool. It was absolutely. I I knew they had done it, but um, until I had taken some Halloween pictures lately, I hadn't had a chance to play with it. And I started playing with it, and my jaw was on the floor. How easy it was, but how cool it was too. Was like, check that out. I got to jump back in there then. Yeah, I've I've definitely not been taking as many photos recently, just due to you know see above quite busy. But like, uh, (laughs) it's something that that I wanted. I used to be like for all the events that you and I did together. I was our uh, default photographer for a lot of that stuff. I'd, I'd always carry my Fujifilm mm-hmm. uh, with me and shoot. Uh, and that was a lot of work and it was pretty hard to do. And it, it was great to have. I, I think that, you know, it's always important to take photos of stuff like that. You never know when you're mm-hmm. going to need it. And we it'd turn out like a year later, sometimes we'd end up using some of those shots. Obviously we'd use a lot of them before that too, yeah. and blog posts or whatever else. But it just kind of got to a point where, um, my hands are a bit full <laughs> and I just can't 
run around with the camera too. So only so many hours. <laughs> more important things to to be knocking out at these events right now than that. But uh, yeah. you know, so like, but what that has done is meant that uh, I think for a long time a lot of my photography was really going to events and shooting photos, um, and so now that I don't really do that, I find that I'm just using my camera a lot less. So mm-hmm. I'll have to come up with some good reasons to use it and yeah. then I'll play with these sweet, sweet Lightroom uh, <laughs> features. There's, they're, they're, every year it just blows my mind. It's so cool. Cool. So I, I, I'm going to call an audible on this. I'm going to do the last bit of our, like my software picks. And then uh, I think we're probably kind of towards the end of what we can cram into a single episode here. Um, we're definitely <laughs> on track to hit a record. Uh, so for software, I'm just going to mention Olama again. I already called it out once. Uh, super freaking cool. I don't think I even said what it was, though. So Olama, Carrie, this is on your list, too. CLI lets you download LLMs, large language models locally. Yes. Um, you can pick not only the maker of the model or the type of model they made, you can pick how many parameters in many cases. Sometimes you can pick languages. You can sometimes pick whether or not it has been censored uh, or all kinds of other things. Uh, The download will take as long as you think a 30 gigabyte download (laughs) (laughs) would take on your connection. I hope you Uh, have fiber. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, I don't recall if Olama is good about like when the connection gets severed, if it can pick back up in the middle. Um, I know I had one that Hmm. one model in the beginning that I was trying to download and I had a real time trying to get the whole thing to download. Um, So but that that was also a while ago. Anyways, that's not to criticize because this is a freaking amazing tool. Um, once you have a model, maybe you start with one of the 7 billion parameter ones or something on the smaller end. Um, go with a Mistral or something like that. And then uh, you can uh, basically turn the CLI on in the command line. It starts a server. You can talk to it directly in the REPL that it opens up in your terminal, or you can uh, ping it via a REST API that will, I think it streams back information to you. So like if you're a Node.js person, you can use like streams to handle that. Um, So anyways, really, really cool thing. And uh, one of the reasons I think I'm really interested in this is that uh, on one front, you know, it does start to feel a lot more like the model itself will be commoditized so in other words like you can already go to hugging face and pick any from any gajillion versions of the model and of course a lot of them aren't great but you can do the same thing on github and you can pick a lot of different github repos and a lot of them aren't great either the point is that like a lot of that stuff is out there and available and um, some of them are being provided by giant companies like meta um, and or or whoever else and Mm -hmm. you can go in and grab it and there it is. The The data that you are plugging into it, on the other hand, is the hard thing to get to. And I think that's the interesting space. So um, because if and please, I will close off this sermon in just a second. But like, <laughs> you know, this is something that's been on my mind for a while because of, yeah. again, hundreds of conversations as developers, you start to like hear certain questions or certain patterns of things. And one of the things, especially again, you go to Europe, people are very security and privacy conscious in a way that like, yes, sometimes we are in the U S but let's be honest, it's, it's a different level of it's a, in Europe altogether. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> and so like, for example, like, um, great, you're going to add some new AI features. And if this is a wrapper around what and who, what service are you calling out to with my data? Um, questions will be asked uh, and uh, your terms of, of service plugin have to be updated and blah, blah, blah. Well, um, is there an opportunity to take something like Olama or, you know, it doesn't have to be Olama, obviously, but to run a, for lack of a better word, commodity model that you picked off the shelf locally to your code base, locally in air quotes, meaning whatever that means, like, but it's not calling out to a third yeah. party. Instead, it's in your infrastructure. Um, what does that make possible in worlds where otherwise people are saying, no, actually, I don't want you handing open AI my, my data or, or whatever else. So mm -hmm. I, I find that super interesting. And I think Olama is a nice gateway. It's a very simple gateway for the mere mortal developer to start playing around with that. Yeah, no, I, I agree entirely. Like that's, that's why I have it on my machine too, is like, I like the idea that it, like whatever I send to it is staying on my machine and I'm in control of that. And it is that really kind of fine line to walk. Like, um, like I know what, what, or what was it? Dropbox just turned on some AI features and then it's like, Oh, opted everyone in by default into, into that by default. Um, how many people <laughs> suddenly went and said, Nope, turn that off. Cause you don't know where it's being sent. Um, I like having that control, especially when it's my, my files. Yeah, so um, that's a fun one to play with. And again, I'm uh, I'm just calling out one specific project here. I have to imagine there's other versions of this kind of thing and different interaction paradigms other than Olama. Uh, but it's been the it's been the fun one that's like uh, if you're on the technical side of things, you can grab it and start doing cool things with it pretty quickly um, and start to imagine what that might be like inside of your own applications in the future. And it's got the cutest icon. <laughs> Indeed. And that's really important. Non-cute icons, we don't want them. Uh, so uh, next up is uh, uh, a little app that's on the other uh, opposite end of the spectrum. It's an app called Drafts. Uh, I don't think there's anything uh, unique about me saying this is a great little app uh, for your iOS uh, device. Uh, if you need to just make some notes real quick, where are you going to stash those? Right. You could, right. I suppose, open up like um, notes or something like that. But different people have different standards for what they're going to put into their notes application. And even then, like I find that uh, I, I like the notes application a lot. Indeed, Carrie and I write our show notes in, in the Apple notes application and share that. But then look, think about it this way. If I want to take some notes, uh, the next time I open up the app, I'm still in the shared folder with Carrie. And I, then I have to like do this whole sorting thing. Here's the thing. There are people in the world who love sorting stuff. I know some of them. I work with some of them. That's pretty amazing. I am not one of those people. If you present me with a tree of decisions before I get to write my thought down, it's already too late. Yep. So that's what drafts is for me. And I'm not a power user of this thing at all. Um, I know there's a bunch of scripting features that are really neat, apparently and a bunch of little connectors into other things. I, I don't know about all that stuff. What I can tell you though, is having something at the bottom of your iPhone in that little, whatchamacallit, shelf. Yes, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know the name of it. The thing that's it. not the dock, but looks like a dock. Um, so like, if you put it down there, the nice thing is you are always a tap away from just writing your ideas. Sort later, sort later, right? Some mm -hmm. A lot of your ideas don't need to be sorted because some of them, if you're like me at all, are crap. 
A lot of them are. And so you'll write them down and then move, move on with your life. Don't even delete them. Just move on with your life. Because the next time you right. open up drafts, it just opens up a new page again. Oh, nice. And so it's just like kind of like writing stickies on something, but they don't stick in your sort of like mental space at all. Yeah. Unless you want them to. That's so, like... Um, yeah. If you want to be a draft power user, go for it. Um, there's probably some good stuff in there that I can't tell you about. But for me personally, just having a place to get that thing off my mind without having to play what part of the file system am I in or all that other stuff. Uh, and drafts is a fantastic thing for, app for that. I'm definitely going to have to go check them out because I have the same problem. If I have to figure out where to put something, you've already lost me. <laughs> Do you remember that app, Carrie? The, I know you had this for a long time. Uh, I think you might have been the person I found it from. There was an app on Mac called Tot, T-O-T. Yes, yes, Tot. It's kind of um, like that mm-hmm. in at least the way I used Tot. The only difference is that like Tot gives you like five stickies. And yeah. then I find myself with fear of the the fear of erasing the whiteboard. Do you know what I mean? So yes. like, I, like, I liked Tot. Uh, but I, f- I started to find that it was uh, causing me a weird sort of like underlying stress that I didn't notice for a long time. Uh, so your mileage may vary on that. It's a really neat little app, but uh, drafts for me is is the way forward in terms of uh, just being able to jot something down and move on with my life. I think I will have to go check it out. One more that's like a, again, not a high tech one, uh, but certainly something that's had a tremendous impact on my life is uh, check your list. This is an app for iOS. It's built by like one guy, I think in Australia. Um, I occasionally reach out uh, to him just to say, thank you slash here's the thing I want. (laughs) And sometimes the thing I want happens, but he's always super nice about it. Uh, Uh, This app um, is basically just a way to make uh, a bunch of checklists that are like standard. Like this for me is how I get through life at this point. So like I have a thing where when I wake up in the morning, here's the list of things I do. I mean, one of the things on the list says eat breakfast and that's okay. I need that on that list so that I remember to eat breakfast. Otherwise I just kind of like go to the next shiny thing. And this, this list helps me remember what to pack when I'm going to the gym um, or, you know, all, all what what to do when my daughter gets home from school. And, you know, so I even have a list that she gets to tap on. So, now we have like a, you know, instead of me telling her, okay, now it's time to unpack your bag. Now it's time to, you know, do homework. Like it's on the, it's time to feed your fish, all of those things. It's on the list. She likes tapping on it and it just makes it, it, it puts the energy into a third space. That's a little more, uh, it's not me, it's the list kind of thing. And it's just more fun mm-hmm. uh, and things get done that way. So I'd say go for check your list because it's uber, super minimal. This is not a to-do list thing. It is just, here are some recurring routines that I have. Um, this app doesn't try to give you statistics. It doesn't try to like give you a chat app. It's not going to recreate email or, you know, ask you to It's not going to take over your some... whole life. In other words. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it, it's the bare minimum basic thing and the best way possible. And it's yeah. just an app. It's an app that, uh, I'll, I'm, I will surely, maybe I've already mentioned this on the podcast before and probably I will again. Uh, I want this on my Mac so bad that I've asked the developer for it at some point, maybe once yes. or twice, uh, because I can uh, see that. otherwise being on my phone, well, phone's dangerous territory because I'm trying to get work done on my Mac. And then you're like, next thing is like, Oh, what do I do in the morning when I first open my laptop? <laughs> well, I need to look at the list on my phone full of shit that will, 
distract me and exactly. suddenly I find myself doom scrolling somewhere that I didn't mean <sighs> doom scroll. <laughs> oh, it's it's shocking. So uh anyways, so um I, I know I'm, I sound very effervescent about this one, but it really has been a game changer in my life. And it's just a small thing. Um, I recommend anybody that gets easily distracted um, and kind of could benefit from a little injection of routine in different parts of their day uh, to try it out. I will definitely have to give that a go because this, this, this is me anytime I look at my phone. <laughs> Last honorable mention, and again, like this isn't super API stuff either, but like uh, macOS, whatever we're on now, um, the new one. Um, what what is this one? It's uh, <laughs> a 14.2, I think. Oh yeah, it's just Sonoma. All right, well yeah, so Sonoma. So macOS Sonoma ships with this uh, thing in Safari. It's like super cool. Uh, that is not a new idea because I know I had this in my hands like. 12 or 13 years ago, but it's new in macOS, which is it gives you the ability to take a window in Safari and bake that into basically like what will, for all intents and purposes, feel like an application to you. So you can save it as an That's app. That's right. You want I this for chat GPT. You want oh, it for chat GPT yes. because then you can launch chat GPT from your uh, um, spotlight. And I don't know if that's how you operate your Mac, but for me, everything yes. happens via spotlight. Everything goes yeah. through spotlight. Yeah. So, uh, having your frequent go-tos, uh, like the positive ones, I mean, I probably wouldn't like put Facebook on there for example, cause then like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but like <laughs> for something like chat GPT, for example, like, it's kind of nice to have it feel like an app, you know, like yeah. iOS, their, their app has, uh, there was a time where I had a browser bookmark on my phone for chat gpt because like depending on what feature you wanted you either wanted the app or the browser mm -hmm. that's no longer the case the the app is just like far and away better uh than the browser experience yeah. on ios uh now wrapping a browser window and pretending it's an application doesn't change the feature set but it just changes the interaction model and it's like a few less clicks from you know open safari click a tab, type in chat.openapi.com or openai.com or whatever. Uh, instead, you just get to pretend it's an app. You can make new windows if you want, which is also really nice. Uh, you yeah. can uh, tile through windows the way you might uh, normally. Uh, so anyways, uh, I'm fan. glad you mentioned you it, try it. I forgot that they had added that and I've missed that kind of functionality. <laughs> So 12 or 13 years ago, I was at, um, this must have been in 2011, but I was at South by Southwest. Uh, yeah, it was in 2011. And, and someone showed me an application for Mac that did exactly this. Mm -hmm. And uh, it could be good. There were situations where you could also do it and it was not as, it wasn't great. Um, but that was just a totally different era of Mac in general. Yeah. So not a new idea, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know if that app even still existed, but it's kind of nice to have it baked into the OS. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I love that idea. Um, and there's so many things come in, come in the new Mac version that it's easy to forget. Like, oh yeah, there's this cool thing that you could you could leverage. Um, but yeah. Um, so we've gone through hardware, software, personal, and work. Um, how about rapid fire the the last couple on our list? Top top yeah, three books, top it. three games. Yeah, um, let's go for it. 
rapid fire top three games that I played this year uh, that I really enjoyed. Um, Super Mario Wonder. Loving that game. Um, not Yowie Zowie, is that what he says? Yeah. Oh, it's, and, and I know some people didn't like the talking or some people don't like the talking flowers. I love the talking flowers. They're awesome. Um, I've heard it's great if you put it in French. I haven't I haven't tried that, but you can like change the language that's what of the I'm f- gonna try is like give it a little bit otherworldly flair. Um because I don't understand French natively. Um Dredge, if you like um this weird mix of inventory management with Tetris style Brit shapes, a little bit of a Lovecraftian horror story layered on top. And driving a boat around water fishing. If you like those three things, lovely game. Um, has some DLC on it too that I have yet to play. That's that adds a little bit. It's not a long game. It's quick to complete. Um, oddly peaceful and yet sometimes terrifying. Um, but super awesome. Well, I I don't know, Carrie. I mean, I think the every of course everyone likes all the things you said and wants to play that game. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Definitely go grab that one. Um, And then uh, the other one that I'll mention. um, (laughs) This one starts to not really get into body horror, but kind of if you think about it too hard. So don't think about it too hard. There's this wonderful little game out there called (laughs) Bug Snacks. Um, And you can kind of imagine maybe where it's going just from the title of it. But it's it's adorably cute. it has this weird, odd story that I will not spoil, um, but it is like it, the voices are great. The voice acting in it is great. The it, it, it's it's funny and hilarious and weird all at the same time. I will go no further than that. But one of the fun, fun, funnest games that I've played this year. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay, cool. So those those are interesting picks. I have no idea what the other two were other than Mario. Um, <laughs> and I've been wanting to kind of tuck into some games for a while, but it's just not been the year for that, unfortunately. I saw like Zelda Tears of the Kingdom was on your list as well. Um, I picked that one up as well as Mario. Those might have been a couple of the only games I bought this year, but uh, both of them got played for a couple of hours at most and then like, which doesn't get you very far in Tears of the Kingdom, no, I have to say. So, no, no. Uh, I think I was no, still in the tutorial land. Um, so well, anyways, I'm embarrassingly for far in that game, and I still haven't gotten past the first whatever because it is so open world, um, which is also a problem. <laughs> yeah. It is a good uh, game, yeah. too. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to just throw in the towel uh, in terms of... Uh, that game this year and i'm just gonna i've been trying to avoid it like watching streamers on youtube but at this point i'm like i don't know when i'm gonna play that game it won't be anytime soon but i would like to see it and see more parts of it than what i was doing so i'll probably just start watching i've been in that boat too um let's see so for let's see uh, but for like kind of consumable media stuff here's what i'll do i'm gonna throw in two books and one movie um because uh, I had one book that I just realized I didn't read that this year. Uh, so I'm not going to mention it. It's a good good book, though. Um, so there's a book called Story Worthy. I'm not prepared to go through this list, by the way. So I'm going to be honest. I don't know who wrote this book. Um, and I should. Uh, but anyways, you can look it up. It's called Story Worthy. It's really cool. It talks about the importance of telling stories. Uh, we talk about this in tech a lot, I think, but don't really 
quite figure out what to do about that fact that telling stories is important. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, you know, looked at books about like uh, storytelling with data, that that's the name of a book that you can get and is good. Uh, I, I enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. Storyworthy is not that. You won't find anything about tech in there. It's nothing to do with it. Um, more about somebody who is like a key participant in um, a storytelling thing called The Moth that you probably have heard of. Uh, it's like a podcast slash storytelling series. Uh, anyways, it's just a really good thing. It talks about like how it kind of dissects like how to tell stories in compelling ways and gives you a few tools. Like, um, you know, I've, I've been a big doer writer of the morning pages, uh, made famous yeah. by the artist way. Uh, this one has a few light tips and tricks like that. There's one that's called, I think he just calls it the homework, but you really write like just the, the one sentence sort of, idea of a story of something that happened in your life at the end of every day. Um, and I've been kind of playing around with that and I've, I'm finding it interesting. So, uh, Mac, by the way, Apple just released their journal app on iOS 17.2, like today. So, uh, if you upgrade, you can get that app and I think I'm going to use it for that. So read Storyworthy and then maybe use the, uh, journal app on your iPhone, uh, for some of the stuff he talks about. Next up is uh, uh, the art of leadership. Uh, this one is written by last name is Lop, and I know that because he says his name a bunch in the book. Um, it's a really good book. Uh, it's about someone who was uh, a, a manager at Netscape, and then went on to be a director at Apple, and then was like a VP of Eng at Slack, and has done a bunch of startups and stuff. Uh, but it gets really tactical in terms of advice uh, about like how to be a leader at different phases of your career and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I thought it was kind of, it, I don't know, there was something really compelling about the way he writes. Uh, and uh, I found it to be a book that I kept wanting to come back to. Uh, so I highly recommend it. It's an, it's an O'Reilly book, so you can find it very easily, but thought nice. it was a good one. Last one I'll mention uh, is a movie. Uh, we just saw it called The Boy and the Heron, uh, which is the latest uh, Miyazaki, Hayao Miyazaki movie. Um, I went into this movie knowing nothing. And so thankfully, my wife is a little more plugged into what this was. Uh, don't take your kid to see this. Uh, at best, they will have no idea what happened, just like you. Um, it's one of those movies where all I can tell you is when it ended, my wife and I looked at each other and just sort of like, uh, so what happened for the last two hours? Um, but in the best Miyazaki way possible. So if you're a fan of those Miyazaki films, uh, I think this is a good one. It's one that uh, there's something about it that will kind of stick with you afterwards and definitely seems to uh require maybe a second or third watch i'm guessing before you kind of internalize what you just saw best kind of movie <laughs> i yep. love it when movies challenge me like that yeah uh also carrie you might appreciate uh, i suspect you would appreciate the uh the soundtrack uh and because one thing that is interesting about it one i i kind of felt like there was definitely like a breath of the wild take to it where it's just like the occasional like splat of piano you know like very beautiful and the use of silence in this movie is like when you're in a 
I, I this is one of the few times where I'll say like I'm really glad I went to a movie theater to see a movie because forced you to contend with a lot of the silence in the film in a way that I don't know that I would have noticed at home because we don't have a TV. We were even watching it on an iPad or something. Right. right? Yeah. And that's just a different thing. Um, but in the movie theater is super quiet <laughs> and you would hear the low rumble of the theaters next to you in the other, or like if someone was like getting popcorn out of a bag, <laughs> It just sounded, it sounded like they were smashing bottles. I mean, it was just so, oh my there was no sound in a lot of the movie and especially in the beginning. And um, there's something interesting about that, that I, I think maybe I will never forget that viewing experience. And like, I just, I, I don't know how many times I could say that about the first yeah. time I've seen a movie, especially in a theater. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really interesting. I'm going to have to check that out too. I, I mean, it is like, you don't, I mean, silence can be so powerful and we don't really always give space for that. Um, but being in a theater, you kind of don't have a whole lot of choice um, versus the ambiance of home and everything else that's going around, going around. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Carrie, uh, this one's been a marathon, uh, <laughs> but you know what? Like we got through a whole year of doing this and uh, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. We've gotten to play with a lot of Absolutely. stuff. Uh, and just kind of check out a bunch of things and um, kind of share our excitement about anything from APIs to AI to, you know, just like random things like how we manage cables in our desks. I mean, like it's been a lot, um, but I've, I don't know, as always, it's just a freaking blast to get to sit down and chat with you. Um, Likewise. And, uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to, to another year of this. Yeah, I can't wait so to see got, where 2024 will go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be an interesting time. I mean, 2023 was great, but in 2024, I'd rather be scripting. Thanks for listening to this episode of I'd Rather Be Scripting. If you love scripting, terminals, Z shell, JavaScript development, and other random technology tangents as much as we do, we'd love to hear from you. You can always leave a review on your preferred podcasting platform, or you can reach out to us via the social links on our website, I'dRatherBeScripting.com. Until next time, I'd rather be scripting.